Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin, and today I am very honored to be speaking with Priya, who is from India. She's the only Indian simultaneous interpreter in Taiwan. Well, hi, Priya. Hi, Shirley. Hello, everyone. Hello. It's so great to talk to you. And you know, when I first hear that you're the only Indian simultaneous interpreter, I says I want to talk to this woman. <laughs> Thank you. It's my honor to be on air. Yeah, but you know, before I go on to ask you more about your life and everything, why you're here in Taiwan, I believe you have a story to tell—a story that has made an impact on you.、Um, I feel that something that has really affected me is my father. He was really strict. He is still strict, though he's further away now. But the way I was brought up under his strict guidance. Has really shaped the way I've turned out. It's made me who I am, and I feel discipline is really important. And if I didn't have that strong hand and the discipline, I might not have turned out this way. I feel discipline is important. I know these days kids want to have freedom and they think they have the right to do anything, and they don't want to receive instructions from their parents. They just want to discuss everything. I don't believe in that. You know, I found, and I've now met another person who is sort of in the same background that I grew up. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that you know only Taiwanese or Chinese families would have strict parents like that. But、um, the other day, I met someone from the states,、mm-hmm. who's from Virginia to be exact, and、yeah. whose dad was like that. And now I'm meeting you, whose dad <laughs> was like that. I guess it's the era we grew up in. Yes, I I suppose.、Um, I I believe that things are getting better. I I think it is turning that way in Taiwan. I I feel that. Yeah. And I think in a way that's good because then kids would be able to pursue what they dream, and let them make mistakes on their own. And then when they realize that it's not really what they wanted, then they can always change. Although maybe you know. That would be a harder way for them to、True. get on with their life, but I guess if that's the case, that's the case. Right. But my feeling is this should be a middle way. It should not be as strict as it was in our days, but it should not be as free as it is with today's youth. There needs to be a middle way where children are given some guidance and they are given some discipline, which they should be able to handle. Not just going around fighting back or rebelling in strange ways, just because their parents scolded them for something they did. There needs to be a middle way. How was your dad disciplining you? Can we be more specific? Give an example. Well, I'll, I'll just start into my story because it kind of、oh, fits、yes. into that. Okay. Yeah.、Um, we came to Taiwan in '87. What do you mean by we? Before my parents, my、oh. younger sister and I. You, oh, you all moved here. We all moved here.、Uh, your parents are still here. No, not not anymore. Oh, okay.、So、I was born in India, and kind of like you, we left India really early.、Um, I, we went we went to Germany when I was two, and we were there for two years. We went back to India briefly, then we went to Nigeria. I was in Nigeria for ten years. Oh, what did your father do? He is a professor of mechanical engineering. Ah, got it. And he likes to travel around, so he would take up appointments in universities around the world.、Um, so in Nigeria, I was there from age five to fifteen. Then we went back to India briefly, and in eighty-seven we came to Taiwan. My sister was actually born in Nigeria, and so he was teaching at 
uh, a small university called Datong. At that time, it was just an <laughs> Institute of Technology, Gongxueyuan. Yes, and, and that's the one that that's the university my daughter, my older daughter, is graduating this year. Wow, yeah. that's such a coincidence. I because, know. Um, because he was teaching there, so I took up admission there as well. I sure. applied to the business management department, and at that time, everyone thought that was like a military school. Yes. And that there are no girls studying there <laughs> in those days. This was in 1987. Oh, that was before yeah. I came back, yeah. <laughs> so he, he taught there for four years, and I studied there for four years. After that, I had scholarships from the university, so I had to work in the companies. This is the same company that makes rice cookers. Yes, that, everyone that uses. is right. Yeah. So I worked in the company for two years, and I also applied for grad school in National Taiwan University in business management. So I did my MBA from NTU. Yes. Um, I took a longer period of time. I took four years to do my MBA because I started working then at the uh, Indian Trade Office. Oh. So in '95, the Indian government decided to open their representative office in Taiwan. I worked with the first ambassador. We, start, we set up the office, and during that time, I completed my MBA. Wow. And I worked there for three years, and after that, I started uh, picking up interpreting jobs. And that's what I've been doing ever since. I left the trade office when I was pregnant with my elder daughter. After that, I've not done any full-time work. I've just been interpreting. So my father and my mom and dad were here in Taiwan with me during my period at Datong. So he, he would put a lot of emphasis on studies, on academics. I've skipped three grades during my education. So uh, two grades in, in elementary and one grade in uh, high school. So you're so ahead of everybody else, huh? I Your was age. quite ahead yeah. because of my dad. So we, we, would, we would, um, would study at home and I would take exams privately and I was able to skip the grades. Um, oh, my goodness. I didn't do housework stuff like that. I didn't do any chores. Mainly was just studying. So you're in your family, you've just got you and your younger yeah, sister. Yeah, my younger sister, yes. And so your dad valued uh, girls, you know, being really, really good at education as much, much as so. with boys. Yes. Wow. He started a foundation, actually. Oh. Um, so he's now the vice chancellor at, a, at an engineering university in India. And he started a foundation to educate girls. This is really something. How many languages do you speak now? Right now, I can fluently speak four languages. Which would be? English, Mandarin, yes. Hindi, mm-hmm. and and sorry, Sindhi. That's my mother tongue. Oh. That's where, where we are from originally in India, Sindh. Oh, okay. These are the four languages in which I can interpret. Wow. Any combination of these four. So do you often really translate, um, you know, do translation into Hindi and Sindhi here in Taiwan? Not Sindhi. Okay. But but Hindi, Hindi. yes. Really? Yes. And why is that? Well, usually if Hindi translation is required, it's not good good news. Oh. Because it's it's been some people who were in custody, who were in jail, uh, or who were undergoing court cases for different reasons. There was one case about 10, 15 years ago Mm -hmm. of some seamen on a ship that was involved in, a, in an accident with a Taiwanese fishing vessel. And more recently, there was a case of some uh, Pakistani gentlemen who had been victims of human trafficking, oh. uh, overstayed their visas in Taiwan, and they'd been cheated by the agent, so they were undergoing a court case. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. You know, when you say human trafficking, 
immediately I think of women. Are these women? No, these were men. Human trafficking has a really wide area. Yes. So they were brought here, promised good jobs and good salaries. They were only on a tourist visa. When they started working at the factories here, they were illegal. They were not told that they would be on tourist visa. Oh, they were yeah, not yeah, told yeah. that they would be working illegally. Right. Yeah. These people don't have an adequate knowledge of English, so the interpreting is done directly between Mandarin and Hindi, or Urdu in the case of the Pakistani. You speak Urdu too? I can speak Urdu too, yeah, that's number five. Because <laughs> Urdu and Hindi are really close. Okay. <laughs> the writing is completely different. Yeah. Urdu is written like Arabic from right to left. Hindi is written like Sanskrit from left to right. But the spoken language is, you would say, 90% the same. Oh, this is so interesting. And I also learned French. Uh, Nigeria speaks English, but it's surrounded by French-speaking countries. Right. All the surrounding countries were French colonies. Uh-huh. So we required to learn French in school. Oh, okay. So I learned that, yeah. but I don't speak it much. And then in Taiwan, in college, I learned Spanish as my second language. Oh, in order to graduate? Well, it's a requirement, I think. You mean at that Tong, right? In that Tong, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my daughter took up Japanese. Japanese, yeah. Yeah, she liked it in the beginning, but then later on, she, I don't know, for some reason, she started hating it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dragging yeah. it. In hindsight, I wish I'd done Japanese. Really? It would have been a different Jap- language system. Yeah, I yes. Think that, I, I would have liked to do that. It's not easy. <laughs> not easy, I know, yeah. Yeah, the, the grammatical... The Spanish is really easy, and you can just learn Spanish, it on I know. your own. I'm fascinated oh. by languages. Um, so am I, yeah. I, I might copy a few sentences of Japanese or any language. Taiwanese also is my aim to learn Taiwanese. Oh, oh Taiwanese? That's on my bucket list. Okay. Yeah. So I, I can say a few sentences, but those sentences that I say sound really authentic. Like, I might not understand the rest of it. I only know those two sentences, but they'll sound real. And like, for example, which one? Like, so, say it. Like in Taiwanese, Japanese. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been told that it sounds really good, Yeah, but it's very limited. The two phrases that Priya just said in Taiwanese were, have you eaten yet? And where are you going? Sounded very local, all right? If yeah. I were 20 again, yeah. Yeah. I would be able to pick up the language much faster. Uh, yeah. But now, one thing is you lose the motivation. Uh-huh. And there's so much other stuff to do. There's less time. And I guess our brain cells are decreasing <laughs> or something. Yeah, that does it. Yeah, that does it. By the way, is your husband from India? India. And you met him? We met in Taiwan. Oh, it's like Confucius saying, you know, (laughs) you go a thousand miles away and you meet there. Well, that's how I feel with my husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Met him in Boston. Quite similar. We we met here um, because the Indian community in Taiwan kind of we have gatherings, so there's more opportunity to meet other Indians. We probably wouldn't never have met if we were both back in India. So he was working here for his uncle in trading. They export from Taiwan. They're part of the Taiwan miracle, created the booming economy in in the uh, 80s and 90s. Really? He has his own company now, so exporting um, machinery and textiles to the Middle East and India. You've been here all your life since 1987. You think you're going to be here for good? Um, as long as my husband's working here, we'll be here. Well, he's got his own business here, he own does. company. That seems like uh, unlikely to be uh, shut down yes. anytime soon. And <laughs> yes. Actually, a lot of Indians have yes. trading companies in Taiwan doing exports. They used to be about 100 plus companies. Really? Uh, say about 10 years ago. 
But when China started coming up as the world's manufacturing center, yes, half of these companies closed down their offices in Taiwan and moved to China. Well, I could have guessed. <laughs> yeah. So, but we decided against that. Mm. Uh, my husband does not want to move to China. Mm. There are still lots of issues there. Yeah. So instead of uh, taking that option, he diversified into other products because things that we used to do before. Um, stationery, gift items, the smaller oh, things, okay, all yeah. of those are moving to China now. I agree. So then he went into machinery, which is still in Taiwan. That's a smart heavy move. Mach- but heavy machinery, yes, and um, uh, premium textiles, because the cheaper stuff is also now coming from China. That's incredible, from those small you know, gift items to now machineries. Yeah. Oh, wow. Basically, we help clients source whatever they look for from Taiwan. Okay. Yeah. What kind of interpretation have you been doing? Well, since, you know, not that much with the Hindi, so you actually, even though you're Indian yourself, you're doing pretty much English to Chinese, Chinese to English, I'm guessing? Yeah, 99% of my work is between Chinese and English. Within that, uh-huh. I would say about 85% of my work is from Chinese into English. The kind of interpreting I do is simultaneous. So the different kinds of interpreting. simultaneous interpreting and consecutive. yes. I don't do much consecutive because mainly I interpret for focus groups. Focus groups are these um, meetings or consumer panels that companies like to hold to understand what consumers feel about their products. So, for example, a um, a beverage company or a car company wants to launch a new model in Taiwan or a new product in Taiwan, and they want to hear what Taiwanese consumers feel about their beverages product. in general. Yeah what they feel about the taste of their new product, um, how they consume beverages, what are the occasions, what do they look for in a beverage, things like that. So to know all of this information, they hire a local market research company to host a consumer panel, which is called a focus group. But the guy is coming from this, this is a foreign company. So the marketing people and the boss of the company who is coming to listen to the consumers are all foreigners. But the Taiwanese consumer speaks in Mandarin. How do these foreigners understand what these consumers are saying Right. through an interpreter? That's the majority of interpreting that I do. And it's very specific. It's very different from conference interpreting. That was the first part of my interview with Priya, the only Indian simultaneous interpreter in Taiwan. Next week, she will explain more what it means to interpret for a focus group and how that's different from interpreting for a conference. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. 